Intention, even more than energy, affects the power of healing. It's the key to life and how life unfolds. This is a recording from a Shakti Durga Satsang or live class in late 2019, at the beginning of Australia's devastating bushfire season. She shares ideas of how life can transform using the power of intention and visioning. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. For many years, I've been working with the power of human intention and intention even more than energy, is why energy healing works. You have to have energy, sure, and the more energy you can cultivate, the more powerful the healing will be. But if you don't have intention, nothing will happen. It doesn't matter how much energy. So intention is something that ancient mystics have always known is the key to life and it's the key to how life unfolds. We've been studying the power of intention since we began And we run classes about the mind and how to help your mind so that your own life can be turned around. And the people who use the tools that are helpful for the mind do find that the life turns around. If it works personally, one could say it has to work transpersonally as well. It has to work collectively. So if you have an example of personal changing your mind, if you suddenly decide you move from I'm not good enough to I am good enough. If you make that kind of shift and you really do your inner work around it, the difference in the way people will treat you is absolutely astonishing. And you see it in relationships all the time. You just see the changes that come once we start to believe in ourselves and we start to do the work of intending that there be love and that there be peace. So if you look at the collective level, you look at things like stock markets and markets generally, they go up and they go down and you think, well, how can they be so volatile sometimes? And there's certain technical reasons, I suppose, to do with how people trade, but there's also the collective consciousness. People lose confidence in a market. They lose confidence in it and it's like it catches, like a virus, and then no one believes it's going to be any good and the whole thing crashes. Similarly, when everybody's thinking, yay, this is amazing, it goes up and up and up. There's forces at work not only in us, but between us, there is a matrix of thought that exists in any culture. And that matrix of thought tells us what's correct and what's not correct. And we end up trying to align our lives usually with that matrix so that we can get by. In one place, the matrix will say, it's okay for women to get married when they're 12. In another place, they'll say, it's not okay for women to get married when they're 12. (laughs) They're not women. (laughs) There's that. These kinds of agreements that are a mass consciousness agreement and then reality falls in behind it. I'm not just talking about laws, I'm talking about things that are much more subtle as well. That's like how we feel about things, the kinds of value judgments that we hold and they all start changing the way things are. So what about the weather and the fires? We have an Earth Vision Group and one of the purposes of that vision group 
is to help us to have a vision of a better earth, not a worse earth. So we know without any shadow of a doubt that the earth is going through a warming cycle. It definitely is. It's getting hotter. We also know that humans pollute and that neither of these things are particularly great. So there's a lot of politics around it all and I don't like getting into politics. I like getting into things that are common sense. And so it's pretty clear that if we had less pollution and people loved the earth more and there were more trees, it's going to be a better place. But I guess I'm saying that there are problems, there are physical problems that are real, that we can't pretend aren't real. There's real problems, no matter what side of the politics you're on. But what happens when you get 25 million people focused on that problem? what's it going to do? It's going to energize it. The power of intention, you know, scientists are saying things are going faster than they thought. Well, I just would like to share with you some work that's been done just in case in your mind you sort of think, oh, well, I'm not sure about this intention business. But this book by Lynn McTaggart sets out some really amazing scientific experiments that have been done over time. And I think you'll find them interesting. And I think our minds need a coat hanger sometimes of why it's important for us to change the way we're visioning our future. I already know kids in their 20s who are questioning whether they should have babies because what's going to happen to the earth. And I just think, oh my God, that's just such a terrible reality to be facing. But if we all hold that vision, it's kind of inevitable. But if we can find some people to stand in the light with it, you can often turn things round. Because at this level of consciousness, we don't know what the answer is. We definitely know we've got to clean the place up. We've got to have people loving the land and loving each other. But the inner attitude and what we're visioning for the future is going to have an effect, I believe, on what happens. So let's have a look at the power of intention from some of these studies. And I'm just picking some of the ones that she talks about in here. The essence of why it works is because it's said that before something happens, there's a probability that it will happen, but it hasn't solidified into that thing happening yet until it happens. That's when the jelly sets is when it actually happens. And that's sort of quantum physics 101 really. But it says in this book that science is now saying that the most essential ingredient in creating our universe is the consciousness that observes it. Several of the central figures in quantum physics argue that the universe is democratic and participatory, that it's a joint effort between the observer and the observed and that what we focus on tends to grow. And it implies that observation and visioning, the very involvement of consciousness gets the kind of coagulated energy jelly to actually set in a certain pattern that creates a certain reality. So that is the idea behind it all. So the investigation then led from, oh, well, if actually looking at and observing something is changing it, what if you actually have a clear intention when you go into it? What does that do? And then it spawned a whole range of intention experiments. At a research laboratory at Princeton University, a couple of scientists created a sophisticated scholarly research program grounded in hard science. 
Over 25 years, Jan and Dan, these two people, led what became a massive international effort to quantify what is referred to as micropsychonesis, which means the ability to make things happen. The effect of mind on random event generators. The random event generator performs the electronic 21st century equivalent of tossing a coin, heads or tails. So that's a random event generator. The output of these machines, the computerized equivalent of heads or tails, was controlled by a randomly alternating frequency of positive and negative pulses. Because their activity was totally random, they produced heads or tails roughly 50% of the time, according to the laws of probability. And so the most common configuration of the random energy generator experiments was a computer screen randomly alternating two attractive images, say, of cowboys and Indians. Participants in the studies would be placed in front of the computers and asked to try to influence the machine to produce more of one image, more cowboys, say, than to focus on producing more Indians and try not to influence the machine in either direction. So they had different people doing different things. Over the course of more than 2.5 million trials, they decisively demonstrated that human intention can influence these electronic devices in the specified direction, and their results were replicated independently by 68 different investigators. Which is pretty amazing, don't you think? Here's an interesting one. At a university in Texas, they demonstrated that human thoughts can affect the direction in which fish swim the movement of other animals like little gerbils and mice and the breakdown of cells in the laboratory, heaps of studies on that. But one of the ones that I found most interesting was the one they did with um, dice. So one of the first studies involved attempts to influence the throw of a dice. 73 studies have examined the efforts of 2,500 people to influence more than 2.5 million throws of dice with extraordinary success. When all the studies were analysed together and allowances made for quality or selective reporting, the odds against the results occurring by chance alone were 10 to the power of 76. That's 10 zeros. Like, totally impossible. 10 to the power of 76. And done over such a huge study. So they have conclusively proven that human thought influences physical matter. And this is, I think, one of the most important scientific studies, and particularly because they keep replicating it. You know, 68 people replicated that first study, 68 investigators. This is real science. This isn't a hypothesis that someone's trying to prove. This is there. So... One of the things that happens in spirituality and spiritual training is that we're faced with a problem and the problem might be I'm not getting respect in my relationships or fire is burning the entire country. And so then you go, oh, well, in the physical dimension, this problem has already happened. So A, how do I make myself safe and how do I survive And that's the most important thing. And everyone's in survival mode at the moment, lots of people. But then after that, the question becomes, how do I turn it around? And so to turn it around, we're actually using the dimension of our mind to do that. So the mind is able to visualize a future and turn the ship 
of where we're heading. If you did it in relationships, imagine what would happen if we got an empowered group of people to consistently visualise that Australia becomes a lush and fertile country with good rainfall. Because back in the day when the Aboriginal people managed the land, it was in much better condition than it is now. And if you want to have a look at some of that research, then I recommend a book called Dark Emu. Dark Emu. Really good book by Pascoe. Bruce Pascoe. Dark Emu sets out a lot of research around what the first settlers saw as opposed to what the government reports said they saw. And what they actually saw was civilization and crops growing and houses and grain storages and caches of tools located around the place, but rotation of crops. And they did it seasonally and they did it with great respect to the land and they never overburdened the land. And places that are now desert used to be very fertile. When the land was understood, worked with, loved, appreciated and um, treated in a balanced way. So what would happen if we started to hold a vision of that? So it's too late for what's happening now because it's too serious and huge a problem. You can't sort of stop it necessarily, although you can pray for anyone you know who's in the tormenting times. Even the investigators who've studied prayer have found that it works better specifically than it does generally. So you can pray for someone to not have their house burnt. And it's more likely to be successful than, can we please not have any houses burned? That's not likely to be as successful, statistically. So certainly make sure that you are taking responsibility to pray for and target your vision of protection on anyone you know who's in the path of these things. Your love and your vision will help protect them for sure. And so I'd urge you to spend some part of every day till this is all over, sending that love and protection to the people that you personally know and have a connection with. But secondly, let's start holding a vision of a country that is not just consistently bone dry or flooded and that isn't polluted either and that people value trees and that they like trees and want to plant trees and that they don't want to pollute Do you see what I'm saying? Like the basic stuff. And if we all did that, I think we could create a vision for the future that would be different from the doomsday prophecy that is taking root within our culture. So I'm asking you to enlist in an alternative vision for the future because whatever we put our energy in is going to be more likely to manifest. And spiritually, it takes a hell of a lot of strength to be able to keep your mind on a positive vision when hell is breaking out all around you. It's extremely difficult. And in spiritual training, the the power to do that is called strength. It's referred to as strength. And in the tarot, for instance, the major arcana card, strength, is a young woman with a lion and she's shoving a hand in the lion's mouth. It's like she is connecting with that which is dangerous and she just looks so calm. It's a symbol of that we face these dangers, that we can see one track and the mind will always go to the danger first before it goes to the creativity of, well, how could we spin that round and what might be a vision for the future? 
we don't have to have the answers, but if we as spiritual people can create some kind of vision, then all these really clever people who know about science and technology and agriculture and all sorts of things get inspired, oh, I could do this, oh, we could do that. So we're all working together. So the spiritual people do their part, the prayer, the meditation and the visioning. The scientific people do their part, which is, oh, how can I make that work? Because the vision is put in the mass consciousness by us, do you see? And then they catch it and run with it. We couldn't do that. But maybe they don't have the strength to hold the vision sometimes either. So we all work together and it works really well. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com.